It's Thursday the 9th of September 2021 and you're listening to episode 33 of Reds Unrestricted. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined, as usual, by Dan Club, and I'm delighted to say also by Gags Tandon, the founder of Anfield Index. Fellas, I hope you're both doing well. We're going to get straight into our now recurring segment of Who Am I? So, as you can imagine, I'll just give you the clues, and then you shout up when you think you know it. All right, so, first clue is, I'm only 24 years old. So still playing. Mm-hmm. I'm a midfielder. I made my senior debut for Liverpool in 2014. I've been managed by a former Liverpool player. I made my debut against Middlesbrough. I scored from long range on my debut. Not Ben Woodburn. Not Ben Woodburn. And the last one that I have written down is I'm local. Scored on his debut and he's local. God, that would have been big news. Yeah. Scored on his debut against against Middlesbrough. He's 24 24 now. He's 24 now. Yeah. And I'm thinking the ex-Liverpool player must be Gerard. It is. Ryan Kent? Kent. Ah, yeah. Now I was going to... No, it's not Kent. Do you want me to put you out of your misery? Is it is it Wilson? It's Jordan Rossiter. Jordan Rossiter. Oh my god! Yeah, God, he was the next. This is this is the problem with um, youngsters at Liverpool. The next Gerard or the next whatever turned out to be next Spearing or something, didn't he? I think. Yeah, essentially. Um, Where's he at now, Dave? While while we're on him, where's he at now? Fleetwood. Yeah. Yeah, Fleetwood now. Okay. He was supposed to be highly rated as well, though, wasn't he? This yeah, is the thing. The debut turned out I to think, be the, uh, the peak of fans, his career, sadly. Yeah, the, I think fans, uh, that's something that we're um, culpable of, really. We really do push, um, you know, youngsters to the moon too early. And then this is this is the type of stuff that happens. And then, you know, it's not fair on them either. They probably get really hyped up themselves. Um, yeah, I think I think this is what someone was saying to me earlier about Harvey earlier. Uh, some, you know, people have been tweeting me saying he's the next... Because obviously I've been praising him too, but I've not put any labels on him. And people have been like, he's an ex-Coutinho, he plays, reminds me. I said, no, he doesn't. He doesn't remind me of anyone and he's just Harvey Elliott. Let's like not, like Ibe. I remember when people oh, were yeah. talking about Ibe and, and they were like the next John Barnes. And, and I was speaking to Barnes on a pod and John Barnes goes, why do we always have to do this? Mm. Why does he have to be the next John Barnes? Why can't he be Jordan Ibe? Yeah. And so that, that struck a chord with me. So let's like not do that to kids. And let them just be who they are. And I think Harvey Elliott's going to be something good. But let him be him. Let him be Harvey Elliott. That's probably the best version of himself. <laughs> Rather than putting the pressure on us, the next yeah. Phil Coutinho, who Phil was a world class player for us at one at one point. He's not anymore, I don't think. But let's not put that pressure on him. Yeah, I think I've been guilty of that in a way, just in terms of framing him as our version of of Foden or or Saka, for example. But Anyhow, we'll we'll move into the main part of the episode. So obviously we've got the Leeds game coming up this weekend. But before that, we're just gonna kind of round up a couple of transfer stories that have emerged, some looking forward and some looking back. Uh we'll start with the news from Paul Joyce and Matt Lawson from the Times. 
that Liverpool are one of the clubs who will pursue Jude Bellingham should he become available. And the expectation, I think, given the nature of Borussia Dortmund, is that he will be available probably in the summer. So, um, Gags, I'll come to you first. Are you optimistic about um, the prospect of having Bellingham at Liverpool, or do you think this one might be another way we get beaten to him by a rival? Mate, I'm not confident. After this summer's um, <laughs> dealings, I'm not confident about anything. Um, so it's not um, we're not in a good place. But I think next season does make more sense for a big signing, just with the fans being back and more funds being available to the club, things like that. Um, I just I just can't be confident of of anything though at the moment, mate. It all depends on. Will we qualify? We know our club is dependent on how we perform. You know, that's how our income comes. We, if, we, if we do well, then great. If we go and win, you know, one of the big two tournaments, sorry, the trophies, um, a, a Champions League or a Premier League, then I, I pretty much say I'm really confident of, of signing players next summer. But, you know, what if we don't qualify for the Champions League? And I'm, I'm not negative. I don't, it's, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying crazy things happen in a season. And, and like this time last year, we were all looking confident and thinking that we'd retain. And then in October, you know, our season was destroyed. And, um, you know, we can't, we're such, a, we're such a tight squad and a small squad that all of it depends on how we do, really, this summer. And, and you know what? I did, when I did meet, Michael Edwards on a plane over to Boston a few summers ago he did say you know we plan one year ahead I'm not sure that that is happening anymore because of what the pandemic brought so uh, and also his (laughs) with the rumours that he's off ski himself so I mean I don't know what's going to happen and I don't really believe anything like this anymore unless they actually announce something like you know, we've agreed a pre-arrangement with Dortmund that we'll be getting him next summer and we've agreed it now. That would be the only time I believe something like a, a link like this. This just seems like having it go through Paul Joyce and stuff like that just seems like fan service at the moment, unfortunately. And I, I just can't believe it. Yeah, I think there's an element here also of kind of inevitable similarities to Sancho, who I sort of convinced myself that we'd be We'd be getting this summer, kind of. Well, well, look at his wage last year. Look at his wage demand, and look at how much he's on at United. You know, he, he's on more than Mo for us uh, at a base. Yeah, I think Mo earns more in the end uh, with, with bonuses, bonuses yeah. and stuff like that. But at a base, that's more than Mo. And who knows, Sancho might be on bonuses as well, which I'm sure he will be. But that's just a different level to us, right? In terms of being able to pay that straight off without even thinking about it, whereas we always think about it. We always have to think about what we're going to pay and what we're going to do, and we've got a structure. And so Bellingham's young enough, though, to be able to not worry about having 300k a week, if that makes sense, yeah, next next know. year. So if there was a link that made more sense for us, this would be it, that you pay big fee, low, you know, decent wage, not low, 150k or something like that, which would probably be a, a triple up for him or maybe even more quadruple up for him than he is on now I don't I haven't looked at what his wage is currently or researched it but I think it would be a massive jump for him so that makes much more sense I think Sanchez had had a couple of contract renewals at Dortmund so or at least one 
which means he would have, you know, he would have negotiated a better wage there after his first few seasons or, you know, the season that he, he really exploded. So, yeah, there's a few differences. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens. But on the face of it, if you ask me, just doesn't make sense right now. And uh, anything that comes out positive at the moment is, I mean, I'd rather have, I'd rather have had the Mo Salah contract talks now, you know, or signing of a, of a, of a contract to appease us, but that's not, yeah. from, which worries me more than anything oh, we, else. We got, we got Nat Phillips at least. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I've spoken before about, about being sort of desperate to sign Bellingham. I think the consensus is that he, he does seem to be a genuinely complete midfielder. And I think there's obviously the element as well of, he seems to idolize Gerard, but would you share that view, Dan? Is, is he someone you're, you know, really desperate to to see sign for Liverpool, and would it be a bit of a body blow if he if he was to join one of our rivals? Yeah, I am, um, probably more so than than Sancho going elsewhere because you know you look at the age of Bellingham and though Sancho's young himself, but you look at the age of Bellingham and his rise to where he's at already. You know, he's only going to get better and better. And you know, you mentioned the Gerard thing there. I think um, Jordan Henderson's been speaking glowingly about him as well um, on England duty. So. There's a real player in there for sort of, you know, the next 12, 15 years as opposed to, you know, eight, 10 years like we often talk about. So, yeah, um, absolute. If we're going to pursue it, it's a no-brainer. And the money involved is probably sort of record-breaking money for Liverpool, like it often often seems to be when we're linked with these players. But um, it's going to have to happen at some point, isn't it? Like, I, I understand Gags's um, pessimism, especially after this summer, but like I say, at some point, we are going to have to dip into the market. And the market now is for £80 million plus footballers um, at the top end of the table, which is where we should be. So, listen, it's got to happen at some point. Um, in terms of where he's fitting with us, I mean, we're probably looking at this as the last season of Milner. Um, so there's a midfield space there already. And although he signed a new contract, we probably are sort of looking at the back end of peak Jordan Henderson. So there's two players there that you could instantly A, learn off and B, sort of replace long-term. So I think it'd be a wonderful signing. Plus, the fact that English obviously helps homegrown matters, which is something we've struggled with this summer. So, yeah, he's a no-brainer if if we can compete at that top table. Yeah, I like to think Henderson's been kind of, you know, selling the LFC experience to him and stuff. I'm pretty sure there was a, a video that went round last year um, or during the Euros it would have been of um, Henderson kind of doing up his tie and stuff almost like a bit of a father figure but um, we'll stay with you on this one Dan um, this is another story kind of looking back at the summer that's just gone about Pats and Dakar um, Fabrizio Romano who is a journalist who definitely split opinion in terms of his, his credibility um, mm. claimed that we were very interested in that we were hopeful of signing him but the move wasn't possible um, because we didn't sell Shakiri and Origi early enough. Obviously, Shakiri went eventually. Origi yeah. didn't. Are you inclined to believe that um, that was actually the case? Um, it's a difficult one, this, because there's a couple of ways of looking at it. I'd like to think that we were interested in Patsendaka. He was somebody we have alluded to previously on here, and I think he'd have been a good acquisition for us. I think he'd been a good signing, but you know, we all know and we're all well-versed in the whole sell-to-buy thing, but to rely so heavily on two players leaving 
to sign someone who didn't necessarily go for crazy money to Leicester seems a little bit far-fetched. Like, I'm sure we could have pushed something through for Shaqiri earlier and even maybe forced Origi's hand a little bit more if we really had to. So I'm not entirely sure how true it is. Maybe there was interest, but maybe it wasn't quite as concrete as Romano suggested. Um, and the other thing is, we... We've had a history of not really looking at alternatives. If you remember, obviously, the Van Dijk situation, we kind of wanted him and nobody else for a long period um, and, and almost, you know, reluctantly didn't sign a centre-back to wait for him until January. I'm not sure we'd have had the same view with Patson Dacher because, obviously, he's gone elsewhere now anyway, so we're signing him out the window. So if we wanted a forward option, Patson Dacher wasn't the be-all and end-all. So after we'd essentially missed out on him to Leicester, in my opinion, we'd have looked elsewhere if we were that keen. So I'd like to think we were interested, but I'm not convinced that he was the only one available, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's you make a good point there, especially in terms of the, the transfer fee. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the breakdown of what it would have been over say like a five-year contract, for example, it seems like it was in the realms of, of affordability. I think if if it is true, um, it speaks partly to our own failings and partly to the market insofar as our demands for Origi were clearly excessive. Um, but I think the fee that Shakiri eventually went for showed that it really, it wasn't a, it wasn't a seller's market at all, um, especially when it comes to obviously clubs in Europe, Premier League clubs a bit more insulated. I think the Dakar signing would have surprised me in that, from what I've actually, from what I've read, he profiles quite similar to Jamie Vardy and has been kind of brought in as a long-term successor to him. Um, and I think Klopp would maybe prefer more of a an all-rounder. You know, having said that, you know, there's people making the argument that Jota is sort of developing now into more of a traditional number nine. So maybe there's kind of a stylistic evolution going on, but. Gags, I'll quickly get your view on this uh, before we move on. I think is this, is this one you believed? No, I think it's complete bollocks. I think and there's the explicit a, he, content warning. <laughs> sorry, I think it's nonsense. He's um, he is he is a chancer, this guy, and don't believe anything that comes out of him. He's very good at making money from podcast appearances and you know appearing for uh, you know doing interviews and stuff, and he is very good at being able to sell news you know uh to people and making things up i i don't think if we wanted pats and dacca that would have been one of the first deals done and at the start of the summer like we did with canate if we were desperate for someone we get them in that is how it works i think they're waiting on somebody else i'm holding out hope they're waiting for the one in january as a as a pre-contract i'm hoping and praying that mm. that is the one that they do because that seems like such an FSG deal. That seems like such the right thing to save money for blowing it on one player's wages without a fee and actually paying him the fee himself. In fact, to join would make more sense than any other thing that has been happening in the last 12 to 18 months in this world. But obviously it's, it's, you know, a lot of people saying, he wanted to go to Madrid, but I don't understand why Madrid would make a nine-figure transfer offer for a player they're about to get for free. They're, they're, they're obviously spooked. And, you know, there's lots of rumours Klopp has been speaking to Mbappe. I'm going to say the name because I'll stop 
you know, beating around the bush. But, um, you know, the Klopp's been tapping him up and, and Klopp's known for tapping players up like Van Dijk and others. And I'm, I'm sure it wasn't in Blackpool because there's a pandemic, but it would have been over Zoom or something like we are. But um, Pats and Daka, if we wanted him, we would have got him. And I totally agree with what, all of the reasonings that Dan came with there where he said, you buy someone like that at an, at an affordable price, bring him in, play him in preseason. Divock straight away wants to go. Straight away will be like, get me out. The rumor was that Divock wanted to, you know, only let us know he wanted to leave after he didn't even make the um, the squad for Chelsea. That's when he actually said, right, sell me. And then still rejected offers on the Monday. You know, so it's it's just crazy. It's just crazy, you know, that we gave a Riga that did in the first place. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's I don't blame, blame the player because, you know what, all of us, no matter how much we criticise them, if we were in the same position, we'd want to stick with our current, you know, where we're cosy and we're earning big bucks and nothing can touch us, really. We're protected. We would do exactly the same as what Origi does. So I'm not going to, you know, say anything bad about Divock. Um, apart from I think he's quite rubbish, but uh, <laughs> but nothing about nothing about his actual wages and him being greedy. That's that's literally a human trait that all of us would do. And so I'm not going to criticize about what I can criticize is the club for for being emotional. And I think they've done the same thing with Hendo recently. That doesn't make any sense to me. So you know we're making some poor decisions at the top. I hope that the one big good decision comes in Jan. And if it doesn't, then we kind of know where you know there's something weird going on at the club with with all these other clubs leveraging themselves and doing something and trying to keep up. We could have done the same and that's not how FSG work, but then you're pretty much resigning yourself to, you know, depending on a manager and um, he's got to be fault, faultless this season. It's hard. It's going to be tough for him. So yeah, Jesus Christ, I've really gone off script, but yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. So Pat and Dakar story, I think it's total bullshit. Oh my God! Sorry, I swore again. I think it's, <laughs> no. it's total nonsense. Um, don't worry. I think you know it's definitely the case. I saw someone pointing this out on Twitter that after a window, there's probably easy, easy clicks to be had in this transfer nearly happened stories because you mm. know can't you know really be disproven. But let's uh, move on to in fact. Before we move on, just a quick note. If um, obviously Gags mentioned there about whether Liverpool are making poor decisions. Obviously, you know, we spoke about that in depth last week. So if you want to, you know, hear us chat about that in a bit more detail, just uh, go back to episode number 32. Um, but let's move on to the Champions League because this will be the last episode that we that we put out before the AC Milan game uh, next week. So just realised I've written uh, San Siro in the episode plan. That's poor to Anfield, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, um Let's have a look at the group. Obviously, we didn't really get the chance to to discuss it. Um, very difficult group. I think we can all agree. I want to get kind of gauge thoughts on what kind of points tally you might be expecting from it. So, obviously, Atletico, AC Milan, and Porto. Um, Dan, what what are you thinking? Yeah, so I've been saying this ever since the group was drawn. Really, um, I haven't actually put a points figure on it until now. But for me, this group could hinge on taking six points from Porto. And I know that sounds like a bit self-explanatory and almost a little bit too easy almost, but I don't think all three 
bigger clubs or you know favourites, if you like, to go through will do that. So I think if we can just take six points from Porto, that'll stand us in seriously good stead. Because I think one of AC Milan and Atletico will drop points against them. Um, so for me, home games and six points against against the Portuguese is probably the uh, crucial thing. Um, and I've got us down. I think 12 points qualifies you, first and foremost. Um, I think 10 does, to be honest. Do you? Yeah, yeah. 10 always does. Oh. Anyone? That was the three wins I, I in a I think it's 11. I think it's between the two. Yeah, I've literally yeah, got that written possibly, down. Yeah, over 10. Yeah, over yeah. 10. yeah, maybe. You get, maybe. you get three wins in a draw and you're in. You win all your home games and you get one draw, get one point on the travel, on your travels and you're in pretty much. I, I, I agree with that. I just think winning all your home games when Atletico in your group. Listen, we should beat Atletico in Madrid. Well, to be honest, better, you, should be, you, should beat Milan. you should beat Milan at home and away, right? Yes, yeah, so no there's... Doubt. There's, well, there's your 12, isn't it, from your Porto game? So that would do, obviously. But I'm thinking maybe we draw in Madrid and, you know, maybe draw at home to Madrid. Yeah, absolutely. There's no getting away from it. They're, they're seriously difficult games, both of them. Um, but yeah, I, listen, think, I, I think, think we I, I think we owe them one down at home. I think yeah. that's going to be a hot game. That yeah. Anfield game is going to be hot, man. I think you put, you're probably going to get a win at home and a loss away to with Atletico. I think it could be... Really, really hot. We owe them one as well. I think the team yeah. thinks that they owe them one. Just before that, that pandemic probably does yeah. pry on their mind. To be honest, we played them off the park, and you remember that game? We yeah, yeah, absolutely... I was there. Yeah, Jan I was Oblak. there too. Yeah, yeah, Black was unbelievable, wasn't he? It was such a good game, and yeah. it had the best, the best um, Bobby chant after he scored. Um, ever ever like the entire stadium was bouncing and then five minutes later the, the stadium was dead but yeah. um yeah yeah I, I i completely agree with everything you said to be honest and i think um i think the, the big games will be those four against um milan and and porto and it all rides mm. on what we get from those but I, I don't see us not winning you know majority of those two i think winning um, both of those against Milan, winning one against Porto, maybe getting a draw away, and then trying to get something from the other two games against Atletico. I think that's fine. I think yeah. I think we'll qualify. Yeah, like like I said, I think just I think just to summarise that, I think Porto six points and unbeaten at home, we qualify from that point. Yeah, when you you know present it in those terms, it maybe doesn't seem as difficult as as you know it did on paper. Um, just let's look at the Champions League more generally. Obviously, you got to come through that group first of all. Liverpool are listed in the odds as the fifth favourites behind PSG, City, Bayern and Chelsea. Do we think that's fair? I mean, the one that slightly surprises me as being ahead of us is Bayern. I know they've got a, an excellent manager, but it does seem like they maybe got a slightly small squad. So what are we thinking on that? Like, How optimistic are you about Liverpool's chances of, of Liverpool regaining that Champions League crown from... 2019. I think there's more of a chance that this we do better in this tournament um, with the squad we have. I think we're a couple of players short from a really good run in the league and because you can afford to mess up a little bit in a couple of games in the group stage, you um, you know, you're, you're okay. So if you did end up losing a game you know, to Atletico and if you did draw one um, away at Porto or something, you're going to be able to get away with it in in the Champions League, and it's not knockout at the start, so you get away with it. And um, especially the the next you know three months is going to be rough with with the 
with the games that are going to come and obviously will Klopp rotate. I think there's so much that, you know, it's it's so dependent on what Klopp does this season because he promised that he would rotate at the start when when I was watching LFC TV videos. He was saying, you know, I've got no reason, but I, I have to rotate now because, you know, my defenders have all been injured last year. I can't I can't do what I normally do and play them literally, you know, three times a week when it is three games, three games in six days. If it does fall that way, like a Wednesday, Saturday, you know, Tuesday or something like that, because it, it will happen. So those type of things is where we're going to, we've got a small squad, it's going to hurt us. So what, what does he prioritise? Does he prioritise the league or does he prioritise the, the, the Champions League? And we're going to have some really rough games in there. There's going to be City games in there, I think United, there's a couple of games in there after Champions League games or before, whichever way they fall, that are, are going to have some real questions for him. Luckily, the travelling is good. It's um, We're not travelling far to any country, so that means we got away with that. So there's that recovery process thing is out the window. So we always talk about that on Fatigue Index and on Index Pro, where if you've got to travel far and you know it all takes a little bit extra out of you. So if there's teams travelling further, you know, Eastern Europe, Eastern Europe, European games are going to take more out of you. So luckily it's Italy, uh, Portugal, and, um, oh God, I've, I've forgotten the third team now in my head. Spain. And Spain. Yeah, sorry, yeah, and Spain. So Atletico, and we, we love going to, to, to their stadium, don't we? <laughs> it's a good memories for the fans. But mm. um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think the travelling is fine, something that they, 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 they're good with. So that's another positive. The recovery aspect should be okay. It's all about whether he rotates now and he plays those other two centre backs instead. And will he and will he play Simicas? And we know the midfield rotates already, right? We already know that he does that. That's the only position that he literally rotated the whole time he's been here. He's been changing those players all the time. So will he do that with Curtis and will Curtis get games? Things like that. Those are the those are the things that we're going to have to see what he does because those are really important, really important to keep the whole squad fresh, to keep the whole squad playing every week because when you need them, they can just jump in if there is an injury somewhere. But it also means they don't get as injured if they're all playing one game a week. The recovery will be there. The whole thing will be primed to go, right? The Premier League's fine and the Champions League's fine. It's just all down to whether he makes those decisions and if he doesn't with the size of the squad he's got. I think that's where the chances come. Uh, I still think fifth is fine, as in fifth favourites is fine. We don't really need to be favourites. We're probably better being underdogs. Um, From our history anyway, it's always better that we're underdogs. Um, So I don't mind those teams being pushed ahead of us. And, you know, I mean, PSG now with Messi there and Mbappe and Neymar, they they have to be favourites. City got to the final. Chelsea won it and Bayern won it the year before. That's fair. I think that's I think that's very fair. And if we're fifth, we won it the year before. So, and those are the four finalists as well of the last two years, the, the ones that are above us, PSG, Bayern, City, Chelsea. So I guess it's it's about right, David, if you if you think about it in that way as well and how they've strengthened or whatever. I think it's fair. Bayern are always strong in the Champions League. But yeah, I think a lot, like I said earlier, I think a lot of it was, you know, rides on. Without having those extra players in now, that could have given us a bit of a buffer. It it really depends on how Jurgen wants to rotate, and I really, really hope he does and gives all those players a chance, and they play and you know get into form because once you've got that vibrant 
squad and they're all playing, I just think we'll be another level because we've got the players. The first team isn't isn't bad at all. The first team's still arguably probably the best in the league, I think, uh, once they're all fit and firing. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable first team. It's whether you can get the other players coming in, gelled with the team and, you know... I mean, the, the the positive is at the end of last season, we we went on a brilliant run with with uh, Thiago and Fab. We haven't even had a chance to play them together yet properly. So we we really need to get that going as well because that's going to solidify us in midfield. So it's interesting that he hasn't had a chance, but maybe Leeds is the one. And that is an excellent segue for us to to move on to the Leeds game um, this weekend. So let's. Um... First of all, talk about the the news that's broken um, today, Wednesday, as we're recording about um, Fabinho and Allison looking set to to miss the game. So basically, the Brazilian FA has asked FIFA to impose a five day ban on the players who were blocked from joining up with the squad. Um, and if we field an ineligible player, we risk forfeiting the match. Although it'd be interesting to see if Leeds played Rafinha as well, if both teams yeah. forfeit, but. Um, Although there is still some hope on this because according to Melissa Reddy, the clubs yeah, are planning that, yeah. to contest the ban. So, uh, Dan, thoughts on the situation and worries about going into this game without those two players? Before you do, Dan, there's a further update from Melissa. Yeah, no confidence. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You got yeah, it. So gonna, it. This might be irrelevant by the time the podcast comes out, but, you know. <laughs> it's, still, it's, still, it's still worth talking about. It, Melissa Reddy literally tweeted while we've been chatting. So, yeah, it looks like you know, certainly from what she's been told, what she's hearing that they might be able to play, which is the is the correct resolution, if we're going to be honest, because even Brazil have basically asked for this sanction to be imparted because apparently it's not something I've been aware of previously. If clubs refuse their international players to go and join up with the squads, that confederation, that FA can say, we want them punished. And then there's a, a ban in, in place. Um and Brazil asked for that, but they said, I'll leave Richarlison out of it because he went to the Olympics, which is in itself a little bit ludicrous. But what, what gets it even more for me is the fact that we've all seen what happened during the Brazil-Argentina game. Surely that's the bigger issue here. Like the fact that that game was stopped within the first few minutes because players broke quarantine rules in, in Argentina to go and play. It's just... It's not good, is it? And if you look at what went on with Naby Keita this week during the break, and international football is not my favourite thing in, in any way, in any case. But with everything that's going on in the world at the minute, it just seems to make less and less sense. Um, and it seems like the people at the top, i.e. FIFA, don't help themselves. Um, and a little bit of leeway needs to be given. And it might well be given, you know, these players might be allowed to play. But I think you know, obviously, had they have joined up with the squad, they'd have come back and faced 10, 14 days quarantine, which would have been even worse, obviously, from a Liverpool perspective. So, uh, exemptions even need to be made by governments or by FIFA. But this is going to happen again in October when they all go off again. So, there needs to be a resolution over the next couple of days before Sunday, ideally. Um, yeah, it's a mess. Um, and it's unfortunately a mess that we're fully embroiled in. It's completely stupid. I mean, if you think about it, like you just said, they've gone over there. They can't play for 10 days. They've got to quarantine for like 10 days. How are they How are they going to play any games? What's the point of them going over? And then them coming back, they've got to quarantine another 10 days. Like, where is the sense in anything? 
Where is the sense in any of it? Uh, it makes no sense to me how they've got a leg to stand on in terms of complaints. Have they not looked at their own government and what their regulations are? They haven't. It's it's pathetic. At the same time, they're expecting players from this country to go over there knowing full well that there's a 10-day quarantine on the way back. So that means when they come back in September, October, November, because there's still three windows, 10 days each time, that's 30 days of football missed. Are they, are they happy to pay those players' wages? All of those players, because there's, what, 10 or 12 of them. Are they going to pay the £300,000 a week for some of those Man City players? I don't think they are. They haven't got no money at all. It makes complete, it doesn't, none of it makes any sense. And I don't see how the Premier League will ever even accept the five-day ban because the clubs could sue. They could literally sue the shit out of everybody and go to Kaz and say, what is this nonsense? There's government regulate government regulations will be at least it will be always higher than a football federation's. Surely, how does any of it make sense? If they can't travel, they can't travel. If the clubs aren't willing to lose them for 10 days, that's the prerogative. They pay the wages. I, I see. I just think someone needs to apply some common sense to the situation. No one's applying it. And that's why we're in the position we're in now. FIFA should have so much more common sense than this. It's pathetic from them. That This is why I hate international football. It's all about the money. It's all about players appearing for their national teams because they're big names. It's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be players that really are passionate about playing for the international teams. But if things like this happen, and you've made some great points, Dan, about Nabi, what's happening there, all those things are happening. The safety of the player and yeah. the club is paramount. Always, always. And, there's, and it's not even thought about right now. And that's where the problem is. We need to go back to stop thinking about the money involved and all these things that these federations need and start thinking about the footballers it's totally gone. And I stand with Jürgen on that. I think it does speak to the almost, you know, what well, maybe impossible is the wrong way, but it's it's approaching that of trying to stage international matches during a pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. I will say I can kind of see the point of view of each party involved, like, you know, even FIFA, you know, I'm not going to defend, defend them, but I do think that ultimately there is a qualification campaign that has to take place and they do have to find a slot for the matches. For me, I think it comes down to the elite sporting exemption. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think that was a big issue while it was in place. Um, maybe you know that's just me being narrow-minded or whatever. But with given given how thorough the the testing um, systems that they have in place are, then I think that you know it's it's kind of fine to to have that. Um, but yeah, luckily we can. Well, based on what you're telling me, we'll be able to look ahead to a game where Alisson and Fabinho um, are both available for us. So um, we'll quickly get the uh, the sweep of the lineups then. Um, I'll go first. So it looks like we'll be able to field what I would say is our strongest team. Um, so if Alisson can play, Alisson in goal, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk, Robertson, Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago in midfield, um, and Salah, Jota, Mane. Dan, what changes have you got from that? Changes wise, um, just the one. Obviously, this has been kind of thrown into a turmoil given the fact that the Brazilians could be available now. But um, from what you just said there, I'd probably suggest Harvey Elliott instead of Thiago. Um, as much as I love the team that you've named uh, and I'd like to see it very soon, I just don't think we're going to see Thiago just yet. I think he's still going to be drip fed a little bit into this side. So 
I think um, if Elliot's fit, I know he withdrew from the 21s, but if he's fit and ready to go, he might get another go. You know, a game against Leeds is pretty much as demanding as it gets fitness-wise, so I suppose, yeah. you know, we will have to, to see if he's ready. Um, Gags, is, have you gone with, with Elliot in your team or not? No, no, not after he pulled out. I think they'll be safe with him. Um, he runs a lot. He presses very, you know, he presses so much with the stats I've collected so far this season because um, I collect them manually for Anfield Index Pro and the under pressure part, it's he's literally like the top all the time in every game that he's played. I think he's played two now, sorry. So he's he's near the top and he, he's a work he's a workhorse as well as all the, the class that he's got with him. So but I think they'll want to be careful with him because they mm. push him too much against Leeds. He could break. He they've already just had that happen to 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 Bobby. So they don't want any kind of um any kind of hamstring scares, they could literally play him in the Champions League just a couple of days later. So what's the what's the need to risk anyone? So Thiago's been training for two weeks at home. Didn't have to didn't have to travel to Spain. They dropped him, so he's been training with Fab and with with the team. So I think it makes sense to have you know a Hendo Fab Thiago maybe in this one, or if Naby's back in time and he's okay, because to be fair, he's, I think he's been in a hotel resting. So he's there might be some trauma there. I'm hoping there's none to be honest. And he's been safe, so obviously there's worries, but hopefully he's back. I think he was back yesterday. They were travelling yesterday at 12. And so uh, should have been in Europe last night. Hopefully he's training today and tomorrow, or tomorrow even. And that should be enough for him to get in. And then I wouldn't mind a, you know, a, a fab Thiago Nabi team either. <laughs> it would be interesting to see because we haven't seen it yet. And But I think he'll, he'll, he'll shoehorn Hendo in again. But he shouldn't play Hendo on the left. That's the problem. So I don't think Hendo was very impressive playing down the left side against Chelsea, which cost us a little bit. I think what we probably need to do if Hendo's playing, make sure he plays right side. Thiago played left a lot last year anyway. So that's why Naby plays left as well. So we've got two options there um, with with Elliot out. If he's going to play Elliot, only play... I think if he wants to put Hendo in, he's got to only play him when, he plays him, when Hendo's playing as a six just can't afford to have handed down that left side really so like we've we talked about on our uh, fatigue index podcast and Virgil van Dijk's been saying on um, his LFC TV uh, interviews you know repetition 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 the players just want repetition they're used to playing in a certain position um, used to doing certain things with the team Jordan's obviously been with us for ages and from start of Klopp was here he's been playing a certain role certain positions and you're used to doing that and that's why you probably saw him you know drag over to that right side sometimes against Chelsea where he didn't need to didn't do it loads like you know there's some ex- exaggerations to it um online and stuff because when I, I have to re-watch the game in bloody slow motion when I do this pressing stat collection so he was only literally doing it for like 10 minutes and I think he got told off and, and was back in in position trying to be down the left hand side but you could see even by all the stats and everything that comes out with all the Average positions, he was really tucked in, really, really tucked in centrally um, with his touches. So it doesn't suit him. He's better off going on, if he's going to play, better off playing either the six or the right side. Six gives him a bit more freedom. Right side, he's used to playing it. Um, we, we shouldn't make those mistakes again. And that's the type of thing I was saying. Klopp has to be faultless. The political selections have to go. You know, you need to play the best team. If you think Elliot's the best option on the right, then that's your, that's who you go with. And you swap it for Hendo. If Fab's not available, Hendo can sit there in the six, no problem. You know, if 
if you want to play Hendo, then Elliot should go out because he's in Fab has to play, then Elliot can't play, or if he's in the front three. I don't, it, you know, all these things are stuff that the manager shouldn't need to decide. But you know, it, against Chelsea, I didn't think it was a it was a good decision. It really affected, especially you know, start of that second half as well. We probably needed to have that change done earlier. But that being said, I think he'll go with Hendo. I don't think Elliot will play um, because of the 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 injury scare worry. So I think it would be Hendo. Um, most likely Thiago and Fab would be the three because I'm not sure if Hendo's played all the games for England. He hasn't, has he? So if he hasn't, then that, that's fine as well. Then he's rested enough. Yeah, he came off the bench, I think, Henderson, didn't he, on the weekend? That's um, fine we, then. So. We don't know about tonight, obviously, the playing against tonight, England. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't start because I'd rather him be fit for us, you know. I, I, I'm like, oh, I, yeah. like, you, like you, Dan, I hate... It <laughs> really pisses me off that day trying to play three friendlies in in these in these you know I mean before remember back in the day I don't know how young you two are I'm older than you lot I'm in my 40s it used to be one one friendly in these international breaks they've now expanded then it went to two now it's gone up to three it's all about money it's all about making money it's it's just wrong it's just completely wrong and it affects our you know the club season it really frustrates me that we as fans have to be sitting here praying that our players come back injury free, and like that's not football. Like literally, this Brazil stuff was stressing me out because I was like, "Oh my god, three! We've got three international breaks. Our players are going to have to quarantine." This is before, obviously, that the club decided they weren't sending them. We're going to have to. We're going to have thirty days of players not playing football for Liverpool. Like, how how is that acceptable? How is that fair? in a competition, in any competition in, in Champions League or in, in Premier League competition, that other clubs get to play their first team, but we're banned or because of country regulations and health and safety, we, we have to have our players quarantined. You know, it should be fair for all. And so what the clubs have done, I think, is perfect. And so, yeah, those type of things really stress me out. International football, like you said, is just a pain and it affects all of our lineups. But in this case, I think uh, Jota, Mane and Mo up top and uh, the rest of it I think picks itself if, as long as VVD is okay after hurting himself last night I think he said he was fine but he's going to say that let's see what the club does whether they play Gomez and Matip or Konate and Matip um, on Sunday is it but I think that's a long time yet for Verge to get to get um, looked at and sorted if he's saying he's he's okay then we can do that. I mean, what, what would the interesting thing is that guys, what would your team be? Just say there's no resolution. <laughs> yeah, that's worth considering. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Kelleher over Adrian for a start. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And I then had, probably um, Henderson in the sick, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Tiago and Nabi for me with him. That would be so good. Yeah, because they've never played together. Can you believe it? I don't think they have. I don't think they've started together yet. The, the players that Klopp called the two best in the in the Bundesliga, I think, um, back in yeah. the day. But um, if they hit form, both of them, for us, I personally, I want them to be rotated in the team. Like, I want them to play one game a week each because I think you'll get the best out of them, keep them fit. I really yeah, do. Yeah. I think uh, I think really hope that we can keep them fit, play them once a week. Don't freeze one of them out for two months because that's when they're going to pick up injury. Play one of them a week, rotate each of them in the in the team, and I think we'll get the best out of both. And really, we'll be flying. I think. I'm hoping that we'll finally see 
Um, we've mentioned it a couple of times before. Um, finally see this, you know, what I've, I think it's the strongest 11, um, which we didn't I think saw at all last season. We, the closest we got was the uh, Goodison derby, but Adrian mm. was in goal for that one. So let's get some uh, score predictions for this one. Um, before we, in fact, before we do that, let's quickly update the prediction scores um, from before the international break. Um, I went with 1-1. One, one. <sighs> So I got it right. <laughs> Again. Um, well done. Dan, you said 2-0 and our guest Jack said 2-1. So that leaves the the scores that myself on seven, the guests on four and, and Dan on two, but it's very early days, obviously. So Dan, what scoreline have you gone with in the hope of um, starting to climb up that leaderboard? Yeah, one day I'm going to be less optimistic, aren't I, I think, if I'm going to get anywhere near the top. Um, but having said that, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Liverpool win um, under the proviso that everyone's fit and available. But I do think Rafinha will be a massive loss for them if the Brazilian thing's stuck. But everyone available, uh, we should be too strong for Leeds. Difficult challenge. We've seen that last year, home and away. Um, they are probably the hardest working team in the Premier League in many ways because they just don't stop. But yeah, we should have too much for them. And if we're going to win the league, these are the sort of games we need to win. Um, so yeah, two one Liverpool. I will be intrigued to see if um, you do end up going with with thirty eight wins. Not that I don't think we'll we'll win this weekend. I've gone with three uh, one. So so I've, I've actually been slightly more optimistic. I think um, it's going to be a game with plenty of chances, isn't it? I think I think that's clear, and there'll, there'll be chances for for both teams. Um, I've not actually watched a, a Leeds game live this season, um, so <laughs> it's kind of hard for for me <laughs> to say. Wonder. <laughs> to be honest, you should have watched the United one. It was horrendous. In fact, I think I I was watching that, but um, I was watching. Yeah, the switch on like me because it was terrible. <laughs> I was watching it on BT Sport Go, and literally it just kept crashing. So it was just refreshed. United have scored again. Um, I hope they play against us like that. To be honest, and um, yeah, when they scored three against us, they had a that was like they were that's they were only three shots they scored at that four three with us um, back at Anfield at the, the start of the season last year. I think um, with VVD back, if if you know, like like Dan said, if we go with a full squad, if we're with a full team, I think we'll be too strong. I think two nil um, away from home with these guys. I think we'll be too strong, and um, yeah, I think if they're gonna if they keep try and keep the ball, now we've got the um, we'll have the quality in midfield to really pick a pass with if Thiago starts and if Verge mm. is playing, we'll be we'll be able to really hit them hard. And obviously we have got Trent as well, so. Trent's the key to to Liverpool, I think. Anyway, in 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 everything we do right now, so do those three players able to pick a pass from deep? I think that's going to be the key to being these guys. If they try and keep the ball, and if we we surrender the ball, I think we've been doing that a bit too much in the first couple of games. Uh, well, mm-hmm. two of the games, I think, against Norwich and against um, Chelsea, we surrendered it a little bit too easily. Hopefully, now with the players like you know, with with someone like Thiago in there, that, that'll help keep the ball ticking it over doing stuff with I think that's what we want to get to we want to change we I think he was brought in to change you know the, the to evolve the team a little we yeah. haven't seen that 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 process or that start yet but as it comes I think that's where we want to be and I think this will be a really good place to try and start that they'll press they'll hurry but that means they'll leave gaps too mm. you know the point you mentioned Dan about um Rafinha not being available if you know these rules do yeah. um get enforced. It's got it's, it is a shame that we don't we don't know at this stage, but 
yeah, I think that would kind of soften the blow in a way because he, I think we'd probably agree that he's certainly the most talented, um, best, highest quality player that they have. Um, but yeah, that's about um, everything we wanted to cover today. So before we go, uh, guys, I know you've already alluded to it a couple couple of the the podcasts that you're involved in but i'll give you the opportunity like we give to to all of our guests to kind of you know plug any content that you want uh, listeners to have a look at oh thank you um yeah we we run a, a paywall site um anvilindex.com um has anvil index pro so we've got the free side where we have plenty of podcasts as well but we we really try and push all of our listeners to anvil index pro it's a bit niche uh, it's more factual, statistical kind of in its nature. We have, you know, sports scientists on, data analysts, loads of loads of things like that going on. Um, financial experts. Um, they're a little negative at the moment, obviously, with what's going on. But hey, most of, most of it's factual. Don't worry. But yeah, if you want to come and try us out, there's a seven day free trial as well. Amfordindex.com forward slash join, where you can uh, sign up for a seven day trial and then cancel before if you don't like what you see otherwise stick with us but yeah there's there's loads um loads and loads of shows there going on so post-match raw live you know there's well there's nina's show which is free that's live on discord but again only subscribers can can listen live to that uh, on discord and you guys are welcome to join us as guests anytime dan and uh, dave we're always looking for podcasters come join us post-match if you're not at the game um jump onto our discord channel and uh listen people will be listening into your live whilst you uh cover the game what just happened and we normally kick that off literally straight after 10 minutes after the game so have a bit of a live audience in there but it's yeah a lot of fun and food and decks come in and if you do want to just go free into discord uh we also have um amfoodindex.com for slash discord where that's an invite for you to just join the discord server and just chat with other liverpool fans as well Oh, brilliant! I think that's the most comprehensive, interesting plug that we've we've had. Um, Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> any final it's, thoughts? It's, it's practiced. <laughs> yeah, that's true. On every show. <laughs> um, any final thoughts, Dan? Before we go. No, um, just echo you. Uh, thank Gags for coming on. Obviously, um, brilliant stuff. Always good to chat with like-minded Liverpool fans. Um, and also some of the best name drops we've had in Michael Edwards and John Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd also like to say, I hope your Mbappe slash not wanting to name in prediction comes through for January, but we'll wait and see. Really do, mate. Me too. <laughs> right. Well, we'll be back um, next week after the uh, Leeds game and the game against Milan. Uh, that's what we've got time for for now. So I'll see you then. <laughs>